This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. Logan Paul officially signs with the WWE. Miro shoots on The Undertaker. I was live in attendance for Blood and Guts, and I'm going to tell you all about it. And Tony Khan is a hugger. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to the show. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, back with another edition of my show, the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. We are here on this 4th of July weekend. Happy holidays to all of you as we celebrate our freedom and this hot-ass summer. Today was actually pretty nice, though. Uh... Got outside, got to enjoy the great outdoors for a little bit. Now I'm here with you guys, talking wrestling. What else could I possibly uh, want to be doing on my holiday weekend? A lot of fun stories to get into, including this one to kick things off with. Logan Paul has officially signed with the WWE. So I just signed my WWE contract with the support of Triple H and Steph McMahon. This is a massive deal, but let's get one thing straight because I don't want to get this twisted. I did not sign this contract to team up with The Miz. In fact, I want nothing to do with The Miz. That man is dead to me. He is my enemy. And I signed this contract so I could beat The Miz's ass at SummerSlam. Let's go. This, of course, was news that broke earlier this week with the picture of Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. I guess uh, maybe this shows that uh, Triple H is back in the fold now, huh? Who knows? Uh, Certainly looks that way. Looks like the power couple, the uh, McMahon-Helmsley era has officially taken hold, if you will. And uh, we have... Hey, I mean, look, if they're going to be making deals like this, I think they signed some uh, MMA chick, too, earlier this uh, month, I believe. But, dude, Logan Paul, signing Logan Paul to a contract to the WWE is a brilliant move. Now, I know that there's a lot of you out there that are going to hate on this. Um, But surprisingly, a lot of you uh, are all for this. I was kind of surprised to see that. I was lurking in the comments for like the WWE on the WWE page where they posted the article, reading what people had to say about it. It's always funny, too, when you read those, by the way. You get those people that like they don't know that wrestling is a work. And, and God bless them. I mean, more props to them if if that's the case, you know. Um, I, I wish I could live in that fantasy land. That would be awesome. But, uh, you know, they, they get in there and they're like, uh, you know, they, they I guess they just, you know, with the Miz and stuff like that, you know, Miz is going to kick your ass, Logan Paul. I've seen stuff like that, so that's fun. But uh, this is a big, big, big deal. 
Um, and here's why. Lots of reasons. First of all, Logan Paul's a megastar. There's going to be an older direct, uh, an older generation that's going to look at this and not be entirely sure what's the deal with this Logan Paul kid, right? Uh, they don't get the whole YouTuber thing. Um, YouTuber is a big, big thing nowadays. That's um, this generation's rock star in a lot of ways, you know. Uh, Logan Paul is a big name to kids. You would be shocked how many kids, like my kids knew who Logan Paul was before I knew who Logan Paul was. Logan Paul's a fucking, he's, he's, I watch a lot of Mr. Beast videos. Logan Paul's a crossover onto there. So, um, for, for a lot of different things. So Logan Paul is a big, big star that mixed with his extracurricular activities, like his boxing and, and whatever the fuck else he does. He's got his podcast. Um, and, and by all accounts, he's along for the, for the, he's, He's in it full force. He's like Ronda Rousey, right? He's signed an actual contract to be on the roster and compete. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be allowed to do his side hustles and be Logan Paul outside of the WWE. I'm sure it's not one of those things where his entire life is signed over to WWE in the meantime. But Logan Paul is also, uh, on top of being a megastar in, in what kind of... Uh, what kind of uh, star power and status and acknowledgement and, and just getting the word of WWE out to the masses that that's really going to do having Logan Paul being an actual WWE wrestler full time. Um, then just on top of that, there's going to be the fact that Logan Paul is a fucking he's a great worker. Remember his match at WrestleMania? Like he was he did fantastic in there. And uh, let me tell you, Logan Paul is going to take this seriously. He's a serious athlete to start with. Uh, he's in shape. He's physically, he looks the part. Uh, physically, he can hang. He can keep up, you know, with the athleticism. Um, he gets what wrestling is, you know, the character, the uh, larger-than-life presentation, the image. Um, he's going to be able to go out there and probably be one of the biggest heels we've ever seen, to be quite frank with you. He's going to out-Miz the Miz is what he's going to do. Um, he's going to do great work. He's going to take this very seriously. He has a love for pro wrestling. He's talked about it multiple times. This isn't just something that he's doing because he's a star and it makes him money and they offered him a big check or something. This is something that, like, he's always wanted to do. This is a Logan Paul dream, and this is a bucket list thing for him. You know, I don't know that he's going to, like, retire with the company as a Hall of Famer, um, but he's certainly going to, he's going to make an effort to have made his mark in professional wrestling. He's not here for just a couple uh, spotlight matches to help build a WrestleMania with his star power. <laughs> That's going to happen initially. Uh, but Logan Paul is going to put a lot of fucking work into this. He's going to put the effort in to be a top-tier professional wrestler. And I think a year from now, when you guys have seen him in the ring, you've seen him work, you're going to not only take him seriously, um, but you're probably going to like him. He's probably going to turn himself into a baby face. And, and, and honest to God, I think Logan Paul... 
as long as he wants to be in wrestling, he has the potential to carve out a Hall of Fame career. Um, I think he'll be that good. I think, you know, he's just the character, the athleticism, the star power. He's going he's gonna to bring it in spades, and he's going to make a major difference for WWE. You know, uh, people like to talk about the AEW-WWE war, and, you know, we're signing who's, all, who's got the bigger names and signing all the top names, and is AEW going to close the gap eventually on the ratings and, and that kind of stuff, and... This is the kind of signing that's going to separate WWE from AEW forever. Um, you know, unless they're able to pull something like this out of their ass. Logan Paul's a big, big deal. Uh, again, I just want to reiterate that. There's a lot of people listening here that, uh, that know that. You know, they know all about Logan Paul. They know what he brings to the table. But I do think, because I've seen a lot of it in the comments and stuff, people don't get Logan Paul. They think he's a punk ass kid. Um, you know, maybe they heard about the Japan thing. Um, people have these misconceptions about the dude, but at the end of the day, this was a major fucking signing for the WWE, and they're going to knock it out of the park. And I hope that this is a sign of more things to come, I'm not just talking like celebrity signings or like big signings, even. Just the fact that. Uh, you know, Stephanie and Triple H were very prominent in that picture. You know, you're looking at it. It's on my thumbnail. Uh, very prominent in that picture with the announcement of Logan Paul. Um, if, if they have any sort of actual power within the company, uh, I think th this is a sign if this was their decision, I don't know who all was involved with this. Conspicuous by his absence in this picture was Nick Khan. Because I know Nick Khan was there to, he was big into signing Cody, for example. He was heavily courting Cody. He was there. He, he was there with Bruce and uh, Vince to physically fly out to meet with Cody and talk with him. Uh, this was Stephanie and Triple H. And uh, Logan even said in his promo or an interview or both or whatever that it was Stephanie and Triple H that brought him into the WWE. So, I mean, she's the boss lady. She's the CEO. So let's uh, uh, let's see if she can actually like make a difference. This is a difference maker. So I'm going to quit rambling there. But I did want to tack that on because that's an important thing to note that this appears to be a... Uh, McMahon Helmsley era signing and I'm all fucking for it and that's a that's a big feather in their cap if that's something that they did specifically I had the great honor and privilege of attending the AEW blood and guts event live in person in Detroit Michigan I went there with a buddy to uh, check out the show. I live not too far away. I did travel to the city, got some pizza while I was there, and I went and checked out a hell of a fucking show. Um, I did put out a full, and I mean full, in-depth, deep-dive review and reaction to the entire event, you know, from pizza slices to uh, up through Rampage. Um, but I did want to, uh, so I would encourage you, you know, if you want to hear the full story of just what it was like to be at that crazy event, you know, it looked, you know, from what you've seen on TV, if you want to hear kind of the 
behind the scenes of the whole thing. Uh, certainly go check that out. It is on the podcast feed, both audio and video, as well as right here in this uh, playlist on YouTube if you're watching it there too. So. Go check out the deep dive, but I did want to just tack on a few extra final thoughts on this and uh, just kind of take advantage of my time, you know, being there and just, you know, kind of throw in my last two cents with this whole thing. Because after a couple of days and just uh, seeing all the reviews online of the show and everybody talking about it, um, you know, all the different podcasters and YouTubers and whatever, just reviewing it to being able to watch it now on TV, plus now Rampage has been out, and that fucking finish uh, for the um, the Battle Royal, the two-ring uh, Rampage Rumble or Royal Rampage or whatever, where <laughs> Brody Lee, I was dying to tell you guys that in the other review that I did, but I didn't want to spoil Rampage. But this was fucking shocking, that elimination, like... I guess, you know, everybody expected a big star to take the win in the crowd, you know, if it was going to be uh, Darby or Hangman, probably. But that elimination where he was just sleepering him, but like dangling him over the edge of the ring and then just drops him, it was so shocking. Like the crowd all, like, I don't know if you noticed, like, I haven't gone back and watched Rampage yet. I have watched Dynamite, but, um, I don't know if the crowd sounded quiet or audibly, like, unsure what, like, we didn't know what to think about that. Everybody around me was kind of quiet at first, but then you could tell, like, people started reacting to the elimination. So it was like, people were quiet at first because I think we we wanted and expected Darby to win. Um, plus, like, you know, because Brody hasn't really been built up, so it was kind of out of nowhere that Brody got it. But... I respected that finish. Like, it was shocking, surprising, but it was, like, such a cool, unique, and, like, brutal finish that you almost, like, accepted it and were like, okay, that was, he earned it. You know, Brody, like, I, I he made you a believer just in that elimination. Um, so I thought that was so cool. But um, I just kind of wanted to circle back around and comment on, like, just the privilege of being there, you know, because um, this appears to now the way everybody's talking about it and kind of seeing it play out on TV, you know, watching the dynamite. Because it is one thing to be there, but then to see it and how the action's called and how it's presented and everything like that. I do believe that this is going to go down as one of the more historical shows in AEW history. Um Detroit brought it like they were wild it was it sounded and felt wild in the crowd like while you're there but you never know you know and Tony Khan had came out 
multiple times. You know, he always comes out and talks to the crowd a little bit, but he did come out multiple times and he just kept saying, like, you guys are such a great crowd. He said we were one of the best crowds. I'm sure he says that to all the girls. I said that in my review, you know, but it sounded very genuine. He was very, like, happy with how crazy our crowd was and and i felt like we were and it came across on tv like detroit was wild they fucking brought it to the level of like a chicago or a new york or like name your hot wrestling city you know what i mean like i feel like detroit put themselves on the map for this one uh the venue was dope the the little caesar's arena was great to be in uh, the whole event was just, it was just phenomenal. It was just such a cool thing. And again, I know I'm kind of generalizing here. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, you're not really going into any kind of detail. I did tell that whole thing. Um, I'm going to actually put that down in the, um, uh, at the end of the video, actually, as like the next video to watch the recommended. So check that out uh, if you're watching on YouTube or just click over to it on the on the podcast feed if you're there. Uh, to kind of hear the in-depth, but I just, you know what, like, I, I really feel honored to have been a part of that, and, you know, it sounds cheesy to say, but, like, wrestling, sh- wrestling's every week, right, 52 shows a year, and only a handful of them at most are memorable at the end of the year, or even less years from now. Um, I really think like this blood and guts event is going to be one of those that will be, you know, on, I almost said on future DVDs or something. They don't really do that anymore, but you get what I'm saying. Like future AEW best ofs or like, you know, uh, the story of dynamite, you know, once they close down in WWE's bottom and they're doing the rise and fall of AEW on the WWE network on Peacock. Uh, blood and guts will be there you know what i mean uh it was it was a special it felt special um it felt like a pay-per-view it was presented as a pay-per-view and uh you know like oh another thing i wanted to kind of give credit to that i didn't in my review because now i've had the chance to watch rampage or dynamite is that those guys really worked fucking hard in there like they gave it their everything and you know we could tell like i knew they did obviously just from watching in the arena but i was higher up and when you're looking down um you don't catch everything especially because the way the cage like the roof on the cage kind of blocked my view at at times especially in the far ring Uh, we were kind of sitting like on the opposite end of the entrance so like the 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 farthest ring from the entrance the second ring if you will uh, was closer to me so I could see what was going on in that ring. Not so much the other one. Um, but it was just such a great experience. And I, and I highly recommend if you're not an AEW fan or you're on the fence about it, um, there's X factors to consider. And I think the live event presentation is one of them. Um, it's got a big time feel. It's indistinguishable from a WWE event as far as production value. You're not going to look at it and be like, oh, that looks ghetto or tacky or cheesy or second rate you know it's looks like a big deal production wise and it's just funner it was a funner atmosphere it could be just because it was detroit and because it was such a big show um this is my second aew show i've been to and there's less kids than a wwe show uh i said this in my review too but you know just kind of reiterate last couple wwe shows i've been to were like 
boring kids shows you know what i mean it was like taking the kids to see disney on ice it was it was it was boring it was kind of lame now granted i had not been to any hot pay-per-views or wrestlemanias and you can clearly see a lot of those crowds are pretty rowdy so i don't think that's the same across the board um but it just feels like wwe shows are a little bit more uh sterile nowadays and the AEW show is very much like a rock concert. It was just a great time. Highly recommend going to one just to experience it. And um, it was an honor to just be a part of Blood and Guts. To just be there in person. To see such a fucking thing. To see that spectacle. And all those guys busted their ass. And for not having Punk there. Or MJF. Or Brian Danielson. Or Adam Cole. Or Britt Baker. Or... You know, all those names, they certainly brought it and delivered a dope show. So just wanted to tack all that on there and um, to uh, shamelessly plug that you go watch the other video that I have here on YouTube where I go more in depth about it. Again, that'll be linked right at the end of this clip if you're watching the clip or at the end of the video if you're watching the full pod. And on to the next motherfucker. Miro takes a direct shot at The Undertaker. This one just slipped past me last week. As a matter of fact, when I sat down to edit last week's show, I pulled up my YouTube and I fucking searching for something to watch. And I came across this interview with Sean Ross Sapp, where Miro sat down to talk with SRS for Fightful on YouTube. And uh, this one, like... As soon as I heard it, I was kicking myself. So I was like, God damn it. Like, I was already in the process of editing the video. So, like, what do I do now? Do I run back downstairs and record a whole new clip and try to stuff it in and, 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 and edit this apart and fucking piece it all back together? It would have added significant time. So uh, I figured I would hold on to it this week uh, for this week here. If you have not seen or heard this clip, Miro doing an interview with Sean Ross Sapp, talking about wrestlers, what they do during their downtime nowadays, uh, talking about video, you know, Miro talking about his video game, his love of video gaming, and how a lot of wrestlers just sit around and fucking game at the end of the night. And then that led to uh, how wrestlers back in the day look down upon the new generation because they sit around and play video games and stuff and they don't necessarily kick it how they used to kick it back in the day check out this clip i think video games are such an important part of today's world and people are trying to uh, talk bad i was going to say a bad word people are trying to talk bad about video games which i never understood man we always we we all have our our downtime some people want to drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, and do heroin, and some other want to play <laughs> video games, you know? And some of these old-timers are calling this a bad thing, which I don't think that's a bad thing. Just because we have more brains now than the people before, that doesn't mean video games are bad. I, you know what? I agree with you. I agree with you. Sorry, Undertaker. We don't have guns and drugs, and we don't <laughs> fight each other back. You know that's the headline. You know that's, the he you know that's getting picked up, right? Do you think I give a shit? I love it. I love it. 
I fucking love this shit. A direct shot at Miro. As far as I'm aware, Undertaker has not responded. But Undertaker should eat those words. Uh, when he sat around and he was talking about, you know, how all these kids these days are all just a bunch of nerds basically sitting around jerking each other off and shit. Back in my day, we used to beat the fuck out of each other and fucking chug whiskey bottles and smash them over our heads. And those were the good old days where men were men and burly chested, smoking cigars and shooting craps out back and fucking arm wrestling and and all that shit and shooting fucking steroids in each other's assholes that kind of stuff uh times have changed and for the better uh you know a lot of wrestlers are weed heads nowadays but there's nothing wrong with that obviously um that helps them just kick back and relax and then they just sit and play fucking video games because they're all nerds Everybody my generation we that we're wrestling fans. We grew up wrestling fans because we're nerds. Uh, back in the day, those guys that got into wrestling did it because they were tough guys that were recruited either from sports um, or you know bouncers at bars or fucking weightlifters or whatever they were. Um, a lot of those were just tough guys brought into the business to make money. Um, and even the ones that had the respect and the love for the business, they were brought up the hard way by the grizzled vets and stuff. Nowadays, like, people are just chilling. They just want to kick back, play some games and stuff, and that's fucking awesome. That's how it should be. Instead of going out and causing chaos or being tough guys at the bar or fucking, you know, doing whiskey shots all night and snorting coke off hookers' fucking tits and shit. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, the 80s are great. The good old days, there's fun stories from those days, you know. I love sitting around and, and listening to the old timers talk about, uh, you know, back in our day, we fucking, you know, the Holly Race brings a gun to fucking shoot Hulk Hogan or something like that. Like, those are real stories when Miro says, sorry, we don't have guns and drugs. He's not, uh, he's not exaggerating. So... Uh, but, you know, times are different now, and, and a guy like The Undertaker, especially a guy like The Undertaker, because he's such a legend and such a guy that so many people look up to, or at least did look up to, um, that now when he's going out there and he's just shitting on the new generation and basically calling them all a bunch of pussies and stuff... How do you think that's going to go over with the current locker room? And I'll tell you what, Undertaker, as badass as he is, Miro will kick the fucking shit out of him. I promise you that. I promise you that. Especially now, because Undertaker's all old and feeble and shit. But, you know, I would even put, you know, put Taker in his, in his prime American badass Undertaker against Miro right now Miro looks like a fucking killing machine I, I i would put my money on Miro. so um just the whole notion that you got to be a tough guy and a fucking alcoholic and a fucking cocaine junkie and all that stuff to be a real man and be a professional wrestler like that like i'm glad all those stereotypes are gone uh and you know what at the time Wrestling was a tough guy's business, and it still is. Everybody that goes out there, they're all tough guys. Don't ever, ever, ever 
mistake that. Any one of those guys will kick your fucking ass in a heartbeat. My ass, your ass, same time, both of us knock our heads together. Double knock and knocker and we're out. Every time. Um, But back in the day, like, the UFC didn't exist. So a lot of the tough guys that wanted to make professional money in fighting or wrestling or grappling or something athletic that was tough at the same time, you know, without going into boxing and just punching in the face, there was no other money to make other than wrestling. Um, but I always like to, I, I always like to tell this story like this, and maybe not a story, but just kind of pitch that. Uh, I believe when the UFC came along, there was a fork in the road, and especially because the Ultimate Fighter blew up, in in because of that. Uh, UFC blew up because of WWE. These wrestling fans, it was put the Ultimate Fighter. UFC existed before WWE, uh, before they had the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but it, they were like cockfighting. It was like underground. It wasn't a big deal. It was a mixed martial arts thing, but it wasn't like national TV major. Um, but when they had the Ultimate Fighter, that's what elevated them to mega stardom. That's what got UFC exposed to a nationwide audience. And how did they do that? They piggybacked off of the WWE audience with the Ultimate Fighter. And there was a branch in the road. At that point, the people that liked wrestling for the Jim Cornette, we believe this is real. We want to believe it's a fight and this could actually be happening and blah, 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 right? You know, Cornette always likes to lean on phony. It's phony. You can't, nobody's going to believe, he sticks his hands in his pockets, it's so phony, nobody's going to believe it's real. Dude, nobody believed it's real since they saw the UFC right after Monday Night Raw with their own eyes and they saw what real professional wrestling would look like, theoretically. I mean, that's, that's what UFC is. Um, so those people went towards the UFC and that audience blew up. And that's where, you know, you look at this... Where, where did these multi-million audience from the Attitude Era go? Well, some of them grew up and grew out of it. Others, you know, they went to UFC. And then the other fork went towards the, 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 what, the wrestling that we know now, which is athleticism and character and gimmicks and, and silliness and flippy floppies and fun stuff guys sticking their hands in their pockets people didn't do that back in the day prior to ufc because they wanted wrestling to have a shred of believability and reality to it now everybody knows that's out the window with the internet with all the shoot interviews with the ufc it's not a real thing anymore so wrestling is phony and it's inherently phony. It's how it looks nowadays. Um, so that's just what it is. Wrestling has changed, and that, and and therefore the people that are performing it nowadays are the nerds. They're the people that are drawn to the characters and to the stories and to the the you know. They're that's just that's who's wrestlers nowadays. It doesn't mean that they're not tough guys. It doesn't mean that they're not cool guys. It just means that they're of a different generation who are in this for different reasons, brought to it for different reasons, and are, they're just a different type of person. They're me and you. 
different variations of me and you, only they actually go to the gym and work out and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this was a fun one to, to bring to you because it takes a lot of balls. Miro takes a lot of balls to go directly at The Undertaker. And I think he's got the support because I don't think many people are happy with The Undertaker nowadays because of his, just because of all the bullshit that he says, right? Um, and some some of you guys are going to be lockstep and key with that. A lot of you guys are going to be like, yeah, no, Undertaker was right. Cornette's right. We don't need that phony shit in wrestling. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, there's UFC. And when Ring of Honor was around, and I've been a strong proponent of this too, uh, now that Tony Khan has it, is that Ring of Honor should remain, they should stick with that pure, you know, they have the pure wrestling title. They need to stick with that gimmick for their whole promotion. They need to be the most realistic, sports-like, athletic, you know, they got to get, there should never have been a Danhausen in Ring of Honor. Um, that kind of shit doesn't need to be there. I do believe on a national stage, wrestling should have the smorgasbord, you know, where you got your real believable wrestlers and then you got your, your gimmicks and your, your LOLs and stuff. So, um, God, it's a long winded way of just saying that wrestling has changed and it's dope that Miro took a shot back at the undertaker. Cause not a lot of people have the balls to do it. And not only does have Miro have the balls to do it, but he'd be able to back it up too. So I don't think Undertaker's going to say a whole lot. But if he does, it'll be fun to hear. And I'm certainly going to cover it. But until then, on to the motherfucking next. Bitch. AEW president and head of creative Tony Khan is taking a lot of heat from the internet this week for hugging his fucking talent in the post-fight press conference. Take a look at this clip. Claudio is all elite. That's true. Thank you so much. Dude. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You appreciate it. CD. CD. Big Domino. Big Domino. Big Domino. Big Domino. Why is everybody up his ass about this? Is it, it's weird. Okay. I'll give you that. It's weird. But Tony's a weird guy. He's awkward. He's quirky. Have you ever watched an interview with this guy? Like, I don't know why everybody hates Tony Khan so much. There's a pinch of jealousy because he's our age, roughly, give or take, of the same generation of the diehard 18 to 40 wrestling fan. Um, he's smart and rich and didn't really earn it necessarily so he's got the opportunity to kind of do what we wish we could i don't know and he's kind of a dork right he's a huge dork he's like nerdy is cool like this shirt this shirt's nerdy as fuck this this uh thor hammer here this is nerdy as fuck that harry potter thing in the background there that's nerdy as fuck if you can see it it's not cut off by my uh graphic but uh nerdy can be cool but tony's a dork and to me dorks a little bit more um well let's just say dorky right and you can can't quite describe it but look at the guy and he's very eccentric and he's very uh 
hyper coked up would be another word on cocaine would be another way to look at it possibly at least a whole lot of caffeine look at this man from when he started go back and look at the initial like aew press conferences and stuff he had the glasses i think for a little bit but he always had the tie and his hair was nice and and, and clean and stuff now he looks like he's been on a fucking bender for for uh <laughs> for months at a time if not years um but th- you know tony's very quirky very quirky uh the things that he says the way that he talks um he came out multiple times in detroit for blood and guts to talk to the crowd and every time he just he's a madman like uh, my buddy that i went with is a casual fan and he was kind of laughing at tony <laughs> quite a bit like just the way he says things he's 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 a goof but in that it's gonna carry over to his his eccentric personality and the way that he carries himself and just the hugging and the 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 hugging's an extension of that and like look dude the guy's happy you know they put on a killer show He's living his dream. He's thankful that these guys are out there putting their bodies on the line, making him a shit ton of money. So, yeah, he's going to hug him. You know what? Uh, I'd hug him, too. Maybe backstage and not on camera, though. (laughs) But look, I mean, there's plenty of footage of Vince McMahon out there hugging wrestlers like when they come through gorilla and stuff he's giving them a hug we even see pictures of vince tearing up and shit when he's hugging people so you can't it's not there's nothing wrong with it it's just another weird quirky tony khan thing and the way that he he did it too it's not just like a vince is a very fatherly like come here son tony's was very like oh you did so good oh it was like almost like a like a girlfriend I love you type, you know, never never leave me again. Oh, I missed you so much. Um But come on guys, like this made a lot of news this week. Enough where I wanted to address it and at least have a little fun with it. Like Can we acknowledge that Tony Khan's a weird, quirky, eccentric, dork of a man? But he's also like I at least for me, he has my respect. He's earned it. He has done enough. Like at this point, we're we're going into our we're well into our third year, maybe even heading to our fourth year of AEW. Uh, no signs of slowing down. So he's already like he's not like a greenhorn at this point. You know, he's he he's been running this business for almost four years now um respect where respect is due like they just fucking jam-packed little caesar's arena put on the damnedest fucking cage match i've seen in who knows how long props props to tony khan you know he's got all this great talent under his roster uh people will love to hate him and he's come up in the era of of internet and all that and he also has you know, uh, like I said before, the fact that he's our age, roughly. Like, Tony Khan, I think, is my exact age. So, uh, he's a peer. So, when I look at him, I was like, you motherfucker. He's, he's leaps and bounds more successful than I am. Um, but, 
And, and you're bound to look at people your age with less. I don't look up to anybody my age. Uh, probably nobody younger than me, other than I do very much look up to Mr. Beast, who's just younger, much younger than I am. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not going to look up to Tony Khan, but remember Vince, when Vince started, he was the age of the wrestlers and he was at all the guys pals and stuff. And he'd go out drinking with them and stuff like that. Vince was not unlike Tony Khan in the eighties when he took over WWF from his dad, he was very Tony Khan. He was green. He had been an announcer. And his dad ran the business, so he was around it. So at least he had that credibility going into it. But it's not like Vince was booking all the shows. And and plus, he went a completely different approach than his dad was doing anyway. So even if he was watching his dad, his dad was booking fucking Madison Square Garden and the Boston Garden and shit like that. Like, you know, like every week, you know, he's just every on the weekends or something, there's another show. Uh, what he turned WWF into was way different than what his dad was doing. So that was his own trail that he blazed anyway. Um, and, you know, Tony's not necessarily a, a trailblazer in that sense. Um, you know, he, he's almost like a like a Eric Bischoff 2.0 in a lot of ways. This is just WWE. This is WCW history repeating itself and actually kind of mixed with Paul Heyman. <laughs> In a way, not the genius of Heyman, but the um, just the eccentricness and I guess the edge, the rebelliousness. But uh, no, I mean, you know, Vince was a young guy, too. You know, people didn't look up to Vince back then. People looked up to his dad. They thought he was the kid. A lot of people call, you know, he banned the word junior because a lot of the older vets and stuff would call him junior. Uh, because that's how they knew him. Like, hey, Junior, you know, like uh, like uh, your Freddie Blassies and your your Lou Albano's and shit like that. Those people didn't respect Vince McMahon. Not Junior. Hell no, they didn't. Um, but over the years, you know, when Vince was 10 years in and 20 years in, and suddenly he's more prominent, he's more successful, he's been at this a long time, people are more intimidated by him now because he's... He's, he's a proven success, and he carries himself, and everybody's younger than him, and everybody's eager to get a chance. But there was a time where everybody looked down on him and thought of him as just like, ah, this punk kid, he's going to ruin the business, and blah, 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 blah. So everybody's shitting on Tony Khan now. Dude, 10 years, 20 years, if AEW's still a thing, and it's not the rise and fall of AEW on WWE Network on Peacock, then it's going to be, uh, Tony's going to have a whole lot of fucking respect by a whole lot of people. And he may end up being the man in professional wrestling once Vince is gone. That's another thing, you guys, uh, you know, that I don't think's really been discussed or even thought of all that much. When Vince, whatever happens with Vince, when Vince ends up passing away or just, you know, being completely out of the business creatively and all of that, Whoever ends up heading WWE, unless it's like Stephanie and Hunter, which it very well could be with Logan Paul. Um, but if they end up selling to Disney or something and they end up getting some other execs or something, you know, at some point, Tony Khan is going to be the OG boss man in professional wrestling. 
Uh, that's interesting to think about. I mean, hell, there's a world in this multiverse that exists where AEW, where Tony Khan buys WWE. We know WWE is possibly up for sale. We know Tony Khan has a proven success running professional wrestling, at least for the last couple of years. And uh, he has the connections, I'm sure, to raise the capital to buy WWE when it comes for sale. He probably won't, but I mean, it's a possibility. So uh, all I'm saying is Tony Khan's a hugger. It's weird. He's a weird guy. He's a creepy dork. Um, but I think he deserves a lot more respect than the internet likes to give him. And I think that's something that'll grow in time as Tony Khan just continues to exist and establish himself and him himself become a veteran of the business. I hate juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit. Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. Natalia shoots on Ronda Rousey. This whole thing's been kind of building up, leading to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view and uh, hyping the match between Natalia and Ronda Rousey. And uh, I honestly, I don't know how much of this is based in reality and how much of it is a work. Clearly, it's a work and a storyline to build to the show. Um, but it sounds like there could be a lot of real-life shit underneath the surface to that um and in the best wrestling storylines that's usually the case is it is both um check out this clip here and then we'll talk about it more on the other side and you tell me kind of let me know what you think i guess um natalia just going off on ronda rousey on the after the bell podcast with Corey graves check out this clip I think Rhonda, I think Rhonda's really arrogant. And because you're so naturally good at something, that, that makes you arrogant, but don't dismiss me for the love that you don't have for our industry. That, that's really how I feel. Understandably so. And it, I, the way you explain that, it, it's something that- And it's time for me to just unleash. It's time for me to stop trying to be perfect for everyone. It's time for me to go off the script a little bit. It's time for me to piss a few people off, including Rhonda Rousey. And, you know, she can smile at me dismissively and act like I don't count and act like I'm an enhancement talent and act like I'm not on her level, as she put it, non-charismatic, uh, not worthy of being in the ring with her, not a main event player, boring, this, that and everything else. But at the end of the day, I am still standing and she's, she's really not one to judge talent because there, there's quite a few people that she knows that aren't still standing today. I'm still standing in WWE. 
the way that she's delivering those lines is it sounds like it's coming from the heart. Does it not? I think, um, well, first of all, this is a great example of what the new kayfabe is, right? Cause we all know so much about the wrestling business nowadays that we almost know too much. And a really smart work, like the MJF one, for example, I'll die on that sword. It's a work. The whole thing's a work. It's a work. It's a work. It's a work. A uh, very good one. One of the best ones. Um, but I think uh, this is a really good one, too. And I think this is an example of that new kayfabe where we know so much in real life. How can they take that and twist it and, and, and make it? spoon feed it to us in a storyline that we can buy into uh, to to want to buy the pay-per-view which nobody buys but you get what i'm saying to want to see that match um i think there's a lot of truth to it you know we we always hear and that's what i'm saying kind of we all know too much at this point we all know that ronda talks a lot of shit and at times sounds a lot like she doesn't respect the business or feels that because she's a bigger star or because she's a real you know fighter that somehow she's above everybody else in in professional wrestling and the women's division um you know she's this elite level talent and just kind of looks down her nose or just doesn't have that respect for for people everybody else that is doing it i'm sure she respects natty i think every wrestler worth their shit uh in wrestling but especially the females obviously w w they're gonna respect natty natty's queen bitch you know she said in that podcast that uh you know i everybody worth a sh every woman's wrestler worth a shit in that company in the last 10 years went through her and they did and that's not her being uh that's not her bragging or or anything like that um that's legit natty is the is that's why she's been there so long too she is that that gatekeeper you know like you need to you know she's the one that's gonna get you comfortable in the ring she's the one that's gonna kind of teach you the wwe way get you up to speed uh, and it's a very like every company has those people you know um and i've always have throughout the years that you know, when you're trying to build somebody, you, you pair them up with this person for a while. Someone, the, the worker, the workhorse, you know, the that that can really, like, build them up and teach them and, and carry them along the way. Um, I do think that Rhonda probably has a, lot, a bit of that. Um, but I also think that it's a work a lot of times, too, or played up. I think a lot of the trash that Rhonda talks out in public, she feels like she's playing wrestler. I think she's talking trash to talk trash. And she was always a trash talker in UFC. That's what fucking sold all her fights. She's a born trash talker. Matter of fact, she's muzzled in WWE. She's watered down in WWE because she's got to read scripts and shit like that. And she can't uh, go... She cut hell of promos in, in UFC. She wasn't a great talker then even either, but she was believable because she's such a bitch and she's so like, she puts on that bitch face and she's ready to just tear somebody's arm off legit. 
And she she gets that across in words. And I think WWE could let her fly and use that more. Um, so I think Ronda works that kind of shit to a certain extent or runs with it at the very least. And I think Natalia's smart enough to to cash in on that too, to to know that Ronda has this reputation and, and probably to, to a certain extent backstage is is not liked by the women's wrestlers for shit like that. Um, so she's able to take that and twist that into this really great storyline. And, and I really do want to put this over and give props to WWE on this. You know, um, I think the MJF thing is working magic uh, over in AEW. Um, they're taking the slow burn approach with that. But this one, like, this is kind of outside WWE's norm to really bring it into reality to that extent and be on, like, online shooting on each other and, like, doing interviews and really talking trash about each other like that. Um, I feel like they've done a really good job of using that and building this up for this storyline. Uh, it's, it's something, as I record this, uh, Money in the Bank hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's something that I'm excited to see. I want to see Natty wrestle Ronda because I feel like there's a beef there. And that's fucking great. And they did this before with Becky and Charlotte, too, earlier in the year, late last year for Survivor Series. Uh, more of this, more of this in wrestling, this with the MJF, all of that. Like, kayfabe doesn't have to be dead. You can use it in different ways. You can go out there and you can spill all your beans about the business and then tell all about it. And then once somebody says one thing, now all of a sudden everybody's heard that. Everybody thinks that, right? So, you know, like Thunder Rosa in, in AEW, for example, everybody thinks she sandbags people now. Um, so you can take that and you can, I don't know that you want to use that directly, but you can somehow throw something in where, the you know, a girl sticks up for the locker room or speaks up and says, you know, nobody even in the locker room likes you and like, Bring a little bit of reality into that. Now, because we know too much as wrestling fans, we've heard this story. We know, oh my God, that's true. People have said that. That's that thing that was said about her. Ronda Rousey, they, they said that about her. Natty's shooting. It's smart. It's smart. It's the new kayfabe. And it's something that they should continue to do more of and find new ways to do. And I hope that they can let talent go a little bit too. Because Ronda is being... Ronda is not living up to her potential as a professional wrestler right now. She would be so... She's made to be a professional wrestler. But she's not made to be scripted. WWE is not a good fit for her. And I'm not saying, that, oh, everybody go to AEW or anything, but... You know, WWE would be a great fit for her. It's the biggest show, and she's the biggest star. But it's going to, and it's something that's going to affect Logan Paul, too. Because these people aren't going to be able to talk like they can talk. They're talkers, but they're not actors. They're not thespians. They can't read the trash that's written by these peasants backstage. The little writer boys. You know, and, and just make magic out of it. You got to let... Rhonda go out and sell a fight like she's been doing like she did all the way up to get her to where you gave her a contract now we're going to take all of that shit away from you and teach you to do it our way 
and you're going to be shitty and mediocre at it and you're not going to draw the money for us that we invested in you and we're going to wonder why it's all a big fucking flop and a bust okay nobody likes ronda they should like ronda because she's the baddest bitch on the planet and uh she should be that and not this whatever the fuck this is but it's and it's dope props to natty for being able to be relevant still you know this many years in to be able to put herself into a a storyline that's going to get some attention that's dope as fuck so props to her and i'm excited to watch this match and on to the next dark orders alan angels has announced that he will not be signing a new contract for aew Alan Angels is yet another in the list of names of guys that AEW is just going to let their contract expire. Um, as a matter of fact, apparently they offered him a like per appearance contract. Same thing I think Peter Avalon's on right now. His contract wasn't renewed, but he's still on the show if you watch like Dark or whatever. And he's always on BTE. He's on a per appearance and uh, they did offer that to five, but he declined that. Uh, check out this clip. Another interview with Sean Ross Sapp. He's knocking him out of the park. He's got the bangers. Look, I just follow the news. I don't give a shit with the you know. I don't worry about the balance of who's who, what show I'm covering or anything like that. If there's two interviews from Sean Ross Sapp that make the news, and there's two interviews from Sean Ross Sapp that make the news. Check out this clip with Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful, and I'll catch you on the other side. My contract, uh, I was told uh, about a month and a half ago that they uh, are not going to re-sign me. They did, um, they did offer me a per appearance, which I decided not to take, um, just solely based off what I thought was best for me. Um, I feel like there's room to grow out more room to grow. I should say outside of AEW right now at this point in my career, this could be a really good thing for Allen. He's not a bad talent at all. The motherfucker can work. He's proved that he's had great matches. Um, I think he's a good character too. He gets it. He definitely plays like the dweeb, uh, you know, <laughs> he's always like uh uh fuck you Allen or fuck you five or whatever is the thing from the um I think that was from BTEs where they the Dark Order was always saying fuck you five or fuck you Allen. They're always like, you know, just dogging on him. He was the one that they picked on, you know, the group of outcasts. He was the outcast of the group of outcasts. Um, but then he found, you know, he found a home. I think he exiled himself or got exiled from BTE. And he went over to Sammy's vlog. They're both basically the same if you watch either one of them. Uh, it's just, you know, backstage with the wrestlers and they got skits and stuff. And Alan found a home there. I don't think he's going to be on the vlog anymore. Um, but I think, you know, those, the vlogs are popular enough between BTE and Sammy's vlog um, where that was really doing a lot to uh, build five status, you know, at least uh, amongst the fans. Um, you know, I think he's going to do just fine. I think his plan to go out on the indies and just give himself a whole nother run, a whole new fresh coat of paint, a paint to coat, as Bruce Pritchard would say, 
go out there and instead of being the dork from the dark order that got picked on, you know, the outcast of the outcast, um, instead of being that guy, go out there, reinvent yourself, have bangers of matches. Go out on the indies and be unfucking deniable. Five is young enough and he's talented enough that if he can get him get himself back out on the indies, uh, which you know this is gonna be no problem coming out of AEW, he's gonna have his pick of the litter. He'll be able to do any show he wants. If he picks and chooses those shows smartly, if he can get himself on GCW, for example, um, get himself down in Mexico if he can, get on these major indies, pro wrestling guerrilla, all that shit, reestablish his name, his image as something different. Get himself taken more seriously, uh, either as just, you know, a better wrestler, the wrestling guy, or, you know, if he comes up with a new character of some kind. I don't think he wants to go out there and be former Dark Order member Alan Angels. And he's he's not a wash-up, and he's not a half-ass. He's, he's young enough and talented enough where he will, can and will, go out there reinvent himself, become a different person than he was in the Dark Order, and probably be able to walk right back into AEW and get another look or Ring of Honor or something like that. Um, you know, there's no hard feelings there. It's not like you suck or anything. It's just, uh, look, you know, Tony caught a lot of criticism by signing up every talent that he could and signing uh, some of these indie guys to giant contracts when he did. But think about this. Maybe he did overpay those people. Maybe Alan Angels had a contract way bigger than he ever deserved. But he made a lot of money, and now uh, he gets to not get renewed uh, with no hard feelings. And that frees up that budget that you can now go and pay a normal going rate, not overpay, but go pay a good, fair, normal rate to some bigger names. And, uh, when it, you know, you don't necessarily just, it's not about bringing in all the WWE guys, but you want your roster to be stacked with the best talent possible. And here's why. This was another thing. Going to that AEW show, Blood and Guts, I went there with a casual fan. And he didn't know most of the people there. And he kind of went based on my, he, matter of fact, he thought that AEW was kind of a, still, he still looked at them as an indie promotion in a lot of ways, even though they were on TV and he could even see that they do arenas and shit on the shows that he's watched on TV. He had to see it in Little Caesars Arena with his own eyes to be like, oh, okay, this is just like WWE. It's like, yeah, yep, sure is. So uh having those names that you know on the roster it, it's a big help it's a big help to draw the houses to get the big arenas because if they go with all the unknown indie guys you know then you're you're either going on your brand alone you know you gotta just you know the roster doesn't matter it's just aew is the show to go see or you gotta have names that are gonna sell tickets um, so you can't criticize them for that and you can't criticize them for freeing up room on their balance sheet on their roster by letting some of these talents go that they signed in the beginning that just aren't like, they're not going to wreck your company if they leave. Um, I can certainly think of many more names. I'm still flabbergasted that they re-signed Brian Cage, uh, for Ring of Honor, obviously, but, but. Ugh, why? I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, you're going to see more of that. And that's just the way it is. But five Alan Angels is going to be just fine. I actually really like Alan from the vlogs. Uh, I got do got a soft spot for him. I'm going to miss him on the vlogs, to be honest with you. Because I do think he adds something to them. And, uh, you know, he's not that big of a star right now. It's easy to let him go. Um, but he'll be fine. Oh, by the way, before I wrap this up, um, I, it's gone noticed at this point, And it is worth addressing that not only are they just, you know, letting some of their uh, talent go, letting those contracts just not renew from the earlier signings, but they're also coming from the dark order. Uh, we now have Anna Jay, who is, if you look at her, she's almost reverted back to her, like, star of the show gimmick that she had or whatever, her fucking weirdo shit that she had before she was Dark Order. Um, she doesn't come out to Dark Order music anymore. She doesn't do the Dark Order pose. She is low-key been separated from the Dark Order completely. Now they took Stu Grace in a way. Which, if you're going to cut people, maybe it's just on the contract, right? Because he doesn't actually fire people. So it's when your contract comes up. So maybe other people in the Dark Order just have later contracts than Stu Grayson did. And he plans on letting the whole thing go. I don't know. Um, but was an Evil Uno re-signed? Because I would imagine Evil Uno had the same deal, uh, or had the same contract length as Stu Grayson. Did they not? Did they sign separate deals? Did Uno get re-signed and Stu not? Um, Uno is a better talent, you know, even if it's just to be a manager of some kind than Stu was. But I really liked them as a tag team. They were a fire tag team. And they really added, even though they weren't like a top-tier tag team uh, amongst all the other ones, they added the depth to that tag team roster. And they still got a ta stacked tag team roster. So they don't need them. But it's noticeable that now Stu's gone. Anna's completely disassociated. Um, she doesn't do the backstage skits with them or anything anymore either. Uh, it's the very telling. And now Five's gone too. Um, we know that little snot-nosed brat, Negative One's going to have a job, right? He's not going anywhere. Um, and everybody, you know, Tony seems to have a hard-on for 10 uh, Cody Rhodes had a hard on for 10 too. Negative one's got a hard on. Everybody's got a hard on for 10. I think he's fucking boring and stale as shit. He's just a big muscle dummy, in my opinion, but he'll probably stick around. Um, but I do think we are seeing the dismantling of the Dark Order, and Alan Angels is just the, the next, and I think more names to come in a list of, of people leaving the Dark Order. You know, uh, Colt Cabana. I think it was re-signed, but it was just uh, as a, like, either to Ring of Honor specifically or just as a backstage guy at this point. Um, I don't think there's any intention to use him on AEW anymore. I heard, I read somewhere that that could have had something to do with Punk being there too now. Uh, to just maybe move Colt over to Ring of Honor so they can both stay contracted but separate. I don't fucking know. But the Dark Order's history, Five's going to be fine. And I'm moving the fuck on and on to the next. Home. That's it. That's all I got for you. The show is done. Actually, I did have one other story, but you know what? We're running late on time, so fuck it. Fuck it, we're going to scrap it, and we're going to just toss it to the curb, because it didn't matter anyway. Didn't matter, didn't matter. 
got the best of it already already posted it was a slow week like i said you know not nothing groundbreaking but certainly like the logan paul thing was exciting for me to talk about um it's late and I'm kind of exhausted so i don't know that i gave it my full extent of of enthusiasm but i really fucking i really love that decision so a lot of fun stuff to talk about on here i appreciate you hanging out and listening to the end uh, i'll make the the plug short this week i do got a uh well first of all if you could like follow and subscribe uh at seth grimes media tiktok facebook twitter uh, subscribe if you're watching down on YouTube. Otherwise, you can just search for the show on YouTube and subscribe there. Like it, all that stuff. I do have a book out, The Gathering, A Bold Journey into the Belly of the Juggalo Underworld, written by me. about a, It's a novel about a guy who hates juggalos, who goes to the gathering of the juggalos. Max Caster rapped about juggalos this week, called Danhausen a Juggalo this week, so... Uh, they have a music festival, the Juggalo people do, and uh, I wrote a book about that shit, so that's good fun. And if you're into NFTs, I have pro wrestling inspired NFTs. We have championship belts available now, the championship collection, mashing up your favorite championship belts with your favorite cryptocurrencies and just NFT culture in general. Uh, lots of good stuff. I got a belt. Uh, the Floyd Money Mayweather, the money belt. It's got a boxer on it going like this, you know, raising his fist in the air like Rocky. And I replaced it with Elon Musk giving a thumbs up because he's a crypto nerd. And it's a crypto belt instead of the money belt. Cool shit if you're into that. If not, fuck yeah. Doesn't matter. I'll stop talking about it for now. Uh, thank you for listening. I very much appreciate it. And uh, go check out that full in-depth review on Blood and Guts if you haven't already. Uh, I know it's long. I did not intend for it to be so long, but I got chatty. And uh, the chattiness, I think, just reflects how much fun I had and that uh, there was a lot to talk about. I went in-depth, full detail from everything. You know, the building, the venue, uh, the production, Tony Khan coming out and talking every millionth time. Crowd reactions of things, who was over, who wasn't over. Um, you know, man, go check it out. Highly recommend. That's all I got for you. Thanks for hanging out. Until next week, I am your boy, Seth Grimes. Peace, love, and pizza. And this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? 
Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.